Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining today's call. I'm Jim Doyle with Business Forward, and I'll be moderating today's conversation. Currently, all lines are in listen-only mode. We're pleased to welcome Congressman Susan Delbeni, representing Washington's 1st Congressional District. Representative Delbeni has been a member of the House of Representatives since 2013. During her tenure in the House, Representative Delbeni has been the lead sponsor on legislation to strengthen the Affordable Care Act by making coverage costs more affordable for small businesses. And she's also endlessly supported women's health care rights through her work on the House Pro-Choice Caucus. Today, Congresswoman Delbeni is here to discuss her current work and priorities on women's health care and how to strengthen women's reproductive rights. This will be an interactive briefing, so after her remarks, uh, we'll have time for questions. Um, for those of you who are new to our programming, Business Forward organizes local roundtables, Washington fly-ins, conference calls, webinars, and media trainings for more than 100,000 business leaders across America. At these briefings, entrepreneurs, investors, small business owners, and executives get the chance to brief policymakers on issues affecting their companies and how Washington can better work with business to accelerate our economy. More than 650 mayors, governors, members of Congress, and senior uh, administration officials have participated in our programming, and this is all thanks to the support of more than 60 of America's largest and most respected companies. Before we get started, uh, I'd like to cover a couple housekeeping items. Uh, first, uh, there'll be time for questions and comments. You can participate by emailing your questions and comments to info at businessfwd.org. That's info at businessfwd.org, and I'll read aloud. Uh, when you uh, send your question, please include your name, uh, business, and location, uh, and uh, we'll try to get to as many as we can. And with that, let's get started. Uh, Congresswoman Delbeni, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, please go ahead. Thank you, um, and thanks everyone. I'm, I, I appreciate everyone inviting me to join you on today's call. And I know we had to, we were going to do it last week during Women's Health Week, so we're a little late because we had to reschedule. But um, I think we have so many important issues happening with respect to women's health. We need um, to have Women's Health Month and maybe Women's Health Year. Uh, I understand a lot of the issues that um, are important on your side. I myself was a former startup CEO. I'm very glad to see business leaders engaged on this issue. Um, I currently serve on the House Ways and Means Committee. We have jurisdiction over a lot of things, but also including tax policy and health care, particularly Medicare. Um, I'm also one of the leaders of the Pro-Choice Caucus um, in Congress, and we work to educate our colleagues and the public on issues related to reproductive health. And then I also served um, earlier on um, as a member on a committee, a select investigative committee set up to investigate Planned Parenthood um, that uh, was definitely a partisan committee based on those videos uh, that um, were doctor videos, but nonetheless we ended up with a select committee there having to defend um, women's access to, to reproductive care. Um, so I'm very worried about the future of access to reproductive care and to abortion. Um, clearly, the Trump administration has had continuous attacks on reproductive health, um, changes to Title X, which would take away funds from places like Planned Parenthood. Um, but it hasn't just been financial attempts to undermine access. Also, um, um, you know, allowing medical providers to refuse care to women seeking birth control or abortions or LGBTQ people um, based on kind of an idea of religious freedom, um, making it harder for insurers to cover abortion, um, more states passing really archaic limitations on women's access to abortion, like calling a, uh, making a abortion clinic have to have 
two separate entrances for people coming for um, reproductive care and another one for abortion, things that make it very expensive to deliver. Um, now we have seen heartbeat bills um, preventing an abortion after a uh, heartbeat is detected. Um, sometimes, uh, in many cases, women may not even know they were pregnant, um, and by the time they know, um, they would already have passed that, um, that line. Um, Alabama passed legislation that grants full personhood to a fetus, making it a crime for a woman to get an abortion. Um, and um, even in the case of rape or incest, which I think even some Republicans have started to speak out on now, um, it really is kind of something out of Handmaiden's Tale. And, um, and of course, all of this, all of these recent state bills are really uh, attempt to bring a case to the Supreme Court to challenge Roe versus Wade. And so I think a lot of what we're seeing, even places where people know that there are legal problems with the bills that have passed in Georgia or Alabama or others, it's really to set up uh, cases that would go to the Supreme Court. So um, I do think that as business leaders, you are in a very unique position. One, this is bad policy for women and it's bad policy for our economy. Um, North Carolina is still working to get back business it lost from its um, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which allowed for discrimination against LGBT individuals. Um, the outcry against these anti-choice laws will and should be just as loud. Um, and this week, in terms of legislation, um, my colleague, Congresswoman, Congresswoman Judy Chu of California, will be introducing the Women's Health Protection Act, a bill that has uh, support from me and um, many others in Congress. It would protect healthcare providers' ability to, to deliver abortion services free from a medically unnecessary and onerous restriction, such as needless waiting periods, um, burdensome admitting privilege requirements for providers where they require that doctors have to have privileges in other places to be able to even um, perform an abortion in the clinic, um, unnecessary medical procedures like ultrasounds. Um, so I support this bill. I think we have strong support, but I think this is one thing that we can do to, uh, to try to address what we're seeing happen at the state level. Um, but I also think it's important that we talk about that a lot of this has been focused on abortion, but we've seen more and more attacks also on access to birth control, and we should assume that this is a step along that path and, um, and think about women's reproductive care holistically and how important it is that we uphold the laws and the fundamental rights that women have um, to make decisions about their own bodies. And this is a, it's a personal issue, but it also is an economic issue, it impacts women's ability to work, to decide um, the, the future of their families. And so clearly this impacts you, all of you in many ways and our communities in many ways. So um, I will probably stop there so we can spend most of our time on questions and talk about the things that are on your mind. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Congressman. Um, uh, again, if, if you've got questions that you'd like to ask, please email them to us at info at businessfwd.org, and I'll read aloud. Um, uh, we've got a, a, a number, and because we've gotten so many, Congressman, what I'm going to do is try to batch some of these, um, uh, uh, in, 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 so that way you can uh, get to as many as, as you can. Um, okay. There are a number of questions about the Supreme Court and, and you know, what, what the, 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 uh, your caucus thinks about 
um, what will happen there. So uh, Tina Greco from San Diego, California asks, uh, what's the likelihood the Supreme Court will hear arguments on what's happening in Alabama? Uh, Ellie Reyes from Houston, Texas, Cliff Brush from Lake Oswego, Oregon are also asking the same question. Um, what, what do you think the process is with the Supreme Court? Well, I think um, I think you know part of this overall process has been a a deliberative process um, by Republicans to push these state laws forward so that they create um, litigation and they're going to see this through the court system. And my guess is we will see this start and continue to move through the federal system um, and eventually get um, to the to the Supreme Court. So this will take some time. Um, we may have judges in lower courts who. Um, who strike this down based on the constitutional um, constitutional issues and based on precedent from Roe versus Wade, uh, and so it will be appealed. So this will be this will take time, um, and very much there may be a stay so that some of these laws never are actually put into practice in the short term. But uh, I, the long term case is to continue to appeal rulings to the Supreme Court and then challenge Roe versus Wade. So I say that it's not an immediate um, issue in the sense that this will go and be challenged by lower court in lower courts, but absolutely I expect it to be appealed and the, their goal to get a case to the Supreme Court to decide, and um, or multiple cases right where they kind of address different aspects of Roe different versus Wade and maybe do a piecemeal process. So uh, absolutely that's the strategy and that should be a concern and obvi obviously is a concern given the the justices that have been appointed and appointed very much so with respect to their views potentially on a challenge to Roe versus Wade coming to the court. Uh, Suzanne Frederick uh, from Washington DC asks, um, um, uh, what do, does she see, what do you see as the most effective way for those of us outside Congress uh, to get uh, 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 abortion, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble reading the email. Uh, what do you see as the most effective way for those of us outside Congress uh, to get them to have uh, insight into uh, a situation for women? Um, and I, I, I think the larger question um, is, uh, what kind of advocacy uh, from, uh, from business leaders around the country do you think is most effective in Congress? Well, first of all, I think um, stories are very important. I think it's important, and you've seen on social media many, many women describing um, kind of what's happened, their personal stories, um, having an abortion, um, what has happened in their life, uh, and why this is so important. I do think those stories are, are critical because it takes it away from being a, a obscure conversation, a theoretical conversation, to this is something that impacted someone I know or um, this story, I can relate to the story. Um, and I talk about a woman in my district, um, Stephanie, who came to me. Uh, she had an abortion um, of a wanted pregnancy. Her doctor said she was very uh, sick and was not um, going, her, she needed to have an abortion um, to save her life. Uh, her, she was already a mother, had a child. Um, she had moved away from um, North Carolina to Washington State and she said Thank thankfully I was in Washington State where access was there I could go to a doctor she said it would have been really hard even in a, even you know even if people allow um, health of the mother to be a criteria there's so many doctors who are afraid to perform or afraid of 
what might happen um, and such a stigma involved that she wasn't sure how she would have been able to go about it there. So there are many issues beyond just the specifics of the laws. Um, when you start making access hard, um, if you if you make a lot of criminal criminal penalties on doctors, it makes them tend to not be sure what decision they can make, and that impacts one's health. So people need to be talking about these stories so it's real. I think people need to be contacting their lawmakers and letting them know where they stand on these issues, and um, and speak with loud voices, and that these are uh, issues that women need to make for themselves. Some of them can be very complicated issues. Some are, are not as complicated. Like in her case, it was a straightforward healthcare decision, but none of us can stand in other shoes. But those stories are very, very important and powerful to take it away from being just kind of a, a piece of legislation, right? Something that is, feels distant. Congressman, we have a number of questions related to birth control, and they're, they're, they're actual questions as opposed to recommendations. Could you talk a little bit more about the threat to affordable ac access to affordable birth control? Well, we saw this kind of in um, Hobby Lobby and other cases. I apologize for the buzz here. The bells are going off here in uh, in the house. Um, so uh, the I think, you know, whether it's, um, kind of for an employer being able to say for you know their own personal beliefs they don't think they want to cover birth control. We've seen these cases come up, and um, we know that birth control is critically important for women. Um, we also have brought up many times that birth control is also medical care. Women take birth control not just to prevent pregnancy, but many times also take it for other health conditions, and um, making sure that we have insurance coverage for for um, birth control is critically important. And we know, you know, you hear folks talk about coverage for things like Viagra and other scenarios, and we still struggle to make sure that women have coverage um, for reproductive care. So, but I, I bring up the situation in Hobby Lobby um, as a good example to say the what you see happening on abortion, we shouldn't assume is just limited to, um, to abortion, but you know there are many implications long-term what it means for um, women's access to just a full set of, of reproductive care, um, being able to go to a pharmacy and make sure they're, that they're given the, the um, medications they need without someone saying that it's against their beliefs to deliver it. Um, all these things have come up before. We've heard them, so there's nothing new, but absolutely with um, the administration, what we're seeing obviously in different states, this could be uh, another place where we're moving backwards. And we have a lot of forward work we need to do to make sure that women have full reproductive um, health care and coverage. Because for lower income women, um, without making sure we, first of all, making sure you have insurance coverage and health care access generally, but without covering reproductive care, puts a, puts a, a huge burden on, um, on lower income women. I'll note just I, I'm, as we these uh, questions come in, uh, we uh, did a survey um, uh, of women business leaders, uh, congresswomen, and nine out of ten uh, executives uh, credit being able to time when to start a family and how many children to have uh, as uh, being critical to their career. Um, uh, how, how do you see um, access to uh, uh, family planning, birth control, uh, relating to 
helping uh, close the, uh, the, the, the gender gap in the workplace? Well, I think it's huge, and I think you brought up one of the big reasons why. I think um, myself included, I wanted to have a family when I was ready to have a family, when I was economically ready, when um, I was ready from a career standpoint. And so um, I think that's true for most women. And so access to birth control is very, very critically important. Um, and also just care, and because we know that um, when women are also wanting to get pregnant, having having care along the way is critically important to making sure that someone's healthy and ready to um, um, have a child. So, but I think when we talk about kind of, we, we talk about it um, in the Democratic Caucus as the women's economic agenda and reproductive care, birth control is a key part of that, but also important things that help families out as well Childcare um, and to know that you have affordable, um, available childcare is critically important because it's hard to work and have a child. And we know there are women who have dropped out of the workforce because they can't make enough money to pay for childcare. And so, um, so it, there hasn't been an option. And more often, it's women who end up staying home and um, and dropping out of career. Um, paid family leave, um, being able to. And, and one thing we've been emphasizing too is not just paid leave for um, um, after pregnancy, but um, for a newborn, but also paid leave to help take care of family members. Um, we know that so many, we talk about the sandwich generation, so many people having to take care of um, elderly family members as well as um, new babies to make sure that you have leave so you can handle those situations is so important. Once again, um, because it's hard to uh, be in the workforce and balance all of these needs. And we know many, many families and women in particular are ch challenged with taking care of elderly parents as well as taking care of young children. And so if we don't make sure we have good um, programs for childcare, for, um, for leave and family care, and also to make sure that we're doing a good job on healthcare generally, um, all of these are linked together in terms of economic opportunity. And then I guess I'd throw in the other key one, which is equal pay for equal work, um, because that is part of the issue too that impacts a lot of women's ability to be successful, and that impacts their families and their family's financial situation. Uh, and uh, uh, for those on the call, I think most of them have already received uh, a link to the issue that we produced last week as part of uh, Women's Health Week. But uh, uh, in it, you'll find a lot of uh, background on um, the gender gap, and specifically, uh, women are, are represent eight out of have uh, are, are eight out of uh, every ten. Uh, workers in the lowest paying jobs, and they're only one out of uh, 10 in the highest paying jobs. Um, uh, on average, full-time year-round work, uh, women earn just 82% of what male counterparts work. It's a product of two things. First is we need to help more women enter the workforce and stay there. We also have to, ha have to help women uh, enter higher paying fields uh, and stay there. Uh, the difference uh, in terms of economic impact is about a trillion dollars a year in additional economic activity. Um, it's a 5 to 10 percent increase. Uh, to put that in context, uh, the short-term boost from the Trump tax cut is somewhere between 1 and 1.5 percent. So we could have substantially more impact by doing the right thing and closing the gender gap uh, 
uh, and it'll, it'll be a long long term solution. Um, and I guess I'd add if you if you look at um, those numbers in particular for women of color, they're impacted even more so. Yeah. Um, we've got a number of very specific questions, and I'd like to uh, cover some of these. Uh, one is um, uh, from Deb Thorogood in Jupiter, Florida. What can be done to protect rape victims from unplanned pre pregnancy and the safety from the rapist having future parental rights? Well, once again, we need to do um, we need to make sure that people have access to health care right away, um, um, access to abortion right away. Um, um, that has been that access and a safe place to go to talk to someone is critical. Um, making sure that we have the the criminal justice system. I mean, the, some of these laws that would penalize a doctor who performs abortion um, would face more severe penalties than potentially a rapist um, are just unconscionable. And so, uh, so um, then separately. Processing rape kits, there's a lot of things that we need to do in a speedy way in the criminal justice system. Um, that's something that I know there's been an ongoing backlog that um, different states are dealing with. Um, but again, we need to prioritize. We need to have women have a place where they feel like they can come forward right away while they will receive the health care they need um, right away and the counseling they need right away and um, not be treated like um, it was their fault for some reason, which is really what's one of the worst thing about some of these laws. Um, I know you probably heard, as I did, on uh, one of the state legislators, um, I can't remember which state it was, talked about consensual rape. I mean, the fact that he even used those words is just abhorrent. Yeah, we saw, uh, we, saw we all here at the office saw that multiple times on social media. It's. Uh, it's just um, it's inexplicable. Um, we have a, another question from Vivian Shane uh, from Naples, Florida, about um, the relationship between uh, access to um, uh, abortion and affordable birth control and uh, reducing infant and maternal uh, maternal mortality. Um, uh, do you have anything any 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 comments on that topic? Well, um, you know, when we originally um, the Affordable Care Act had. Um, kind of basic basic health care that had to be covered by insurance plans and maternal care was a key part of that. Um, I believe that insurance plans um, should be covering reproductive care as well and um, to make sure that all of this is available so that women have access to the care that they need. Um, we know that there was a debate on some of these basic, the basic coverage. Um, the about whether or not um, basic health care included maternal health um, was even a recent discussion in Congress as a way to uh, kind of undermining some of the basic tenets of the ACA, what insurance had to cover. And we know that states with the most restrictive laws on reproductive rights also have the, some of the worst rates of maternal health. And, uh, you know, I brought up one example. You, you also know that when, um, when there is such a stigma and there's not access, women may not be getting the appropriate care that they need um, because, and we even had conversation, you know, the administration has talked about whether you even, um, you know, talk about an abortion um, 
you know, whether or not you you should even be allowed to, you know, talk about an abortion. What if you do, would you still get federal funding? Um, so um, we had a hearing last week um, talking about these issues. So th these are all kind of wrapped up together. And what we need is to have affordable quality health care for everyone in our country. It needs to cover maternal health. It needs to cover um, reproductive health. And that way, and then we need to make sure that there are providers that are nearby for folks so they can actually have someone to go to um, to seek health care because that's the other kind of aspect of it, this. There's definitely the affordability, but sometimes we have people who are, you know, the nearest place to go is so far away. Um, it's untenable. And back to the economic side, if you have to take a day off of work to be, or, or more than a day to travel somewhere to receive care, um, that means that there's a lot of low-income women who could never afford to do that. Uh, we've got a number of questions about the economic impact um, and uh, specifically about their, their respective states. So uh, rather than pass this one to you, uh, for those of you on the call who are looking for information about your home state, um, we've got, uh, we are preparing issue briefs on a number of states right now, and we can, if you've got a specific question, just email them to us and we'll address them. But just to put this into context, um, in Georgia, uh, the um, family planning uh, services uh, uh, basically uh, help reduce uh, unexpected pregnancies, which reduces the number of abortions, which reduces the number of miscarriages, which also reduces the number, it also reduces the number of um, low-weight births uh, in the state. Um, it saves taxpayers about a billion dollars a year um, in, um, in uh, 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 medical costs and so that we can give you all sorts of data for your particular state. Um, and what we can also do is we can um, refer you to uh, advocacy groups or care providers in your state who are, are available to answer your questions with uh, more specifics. Uh, we've got an interesting question from uh, um, uh, staffer to a Senator David Carlucci in New York State. Uh, uh, Senator Carlucci is the New York State Senate Chair for the Mental Health and Developmental Disabilities, Disabilities Committee. Uh, and he asked the question, as women might travel to other states to have reproductive health care uh, like New York, um, what should state legislatures in states like New York be prepared for? Well, I think, um, one, uh, we, have, we have the issue of coverage, um, which is going to be important. Um, some of these state laws have tried to imply that you would still be guilty of committing a crime if you left a state to go to another state. Um, that's, a, that's definitely a a um, big concern legally that women would feel like they have no option even if another state provided it and I think some of these laws have been set up that pass even though they um, once again I, they wouldn't be implemented they'd have they'd run afoul um, in the court um, they still are intimidating and so how do you how do you make it so that someone who's traveling um, to go somewhere has a uh, has an environment um, where, given that this is probably going to be a stressful situation, is in an environment where they are getting the care that they need, um, the counseling that they need, uh, and this is and you know even simple things like where does someone stay, how do they, how do they do this? These are all huge economic challenges, emotional challenges, and it could be quite a distance that someone has to travel to seek care, depending on. Um, 
you know, kind of how they even know what's available. So I think it's very, very important that people always have clear information, um, that they know who are, you know, quality healthcare professionals that they can go to. I think that's been one important role that Planned Parenthood has played is people know that they could go to a Planned Parenthood anywhere in the country and um, and seek care. I think that's very important for folks to know. But um, I think you, I, I think if these laws actually ended up implemented, um, you would see a lot of folks looking for care other places. But I think even now we see that happening. So it, it's not like it's not happening today. There, you know, some states have so few providers that there's, there's not really any access, and people have to go to other states um, for care. So I'd say we already see some of that happening today, and um, it would probably increase more. Uh, we, we have a number of questions that relate to uh, how this debate fits into the larger debate over healthcare in general. Uh, one question, just as a sample, uh, Reverend Glency Redrick from Charlotte, North Carolina asks, how can a single payer benefit uh, help your work? Um, uh, if, if, maybe just to broaden that, uh, how do you see this issue playing out with uh, defending the ACA or Medicare for All? Well, I think the big issue comes down to whether federal funds can be used to cover abortion. That has the, the Hyde Amendment. That's really the um, the uh, issue that's still out there. Um, and uh, clearly, if there is a public option, any type of public option, whether it's a single payer option or uh, yeah, some type of government option, um, making sure funds that that you can provide reproductive care is important. And that comes down to the Hyde Amendment, which is a a piece of um, legislation that has prevented any federal dollars being used to pay for abortion. And you've seen even, um, you know, Republicans try to make it so that even if you have insurance that covers abortion, it has to be a separate uh, a, a separate insurance plan from your regular insurance plan to try to separate that out. It, clearly, if federal dollars could be used in these situations, then whether it is as an individual separate plan or as part of a single payer system, um, it could be covered. So I'd say the issue, the, probably the biggest issue right now is less about whether it's single payer or um, or a public option or even, um, even uh, private insurance that um, right now there are many restrictions to private insurers being able to provide coverage and um, and we obviously have laws that would have to be changed to make sure that a public option would provide coverage too. Something that Republicans have pushed on very hard on the amendment to prevent federal dollars. And I know all of you have heard that many, many times. Um, and that again makes it harder for some women to receive coverage. Um, a, a number of questions on uh, the North Carolina case that you mentioned with LGBT. Um, uh, what, what, what should the people on this call uh, know about uh, what happened in North Carolina? Well, I think um, right away the public um, said str strongly if you're going to discriminate against a certain population, then you're either not a place we want to locate our business, uh, not a place we want to do business, um, or support, and so I think that immediate economic impact um, really did make a difference. Um, it affected elections. Uh, it affected kind of 
sports teams and, and whether they wanted to have, uh, you know, a tournament there. Um, advertisers didn't want to participate and that had a very large impact. And so I think economic impact, you know, is, is one, an economic impact is one way to, you know, for folks to, to say how strongly they feel. And we've heard that already about folks talking about not wanting to do business in um, Georgia, for example, I know you were talking earlier, um, Jim, Jim, about the, the some of the folks in the um, film industry, uh, because for various reasons, one, if you're a woman and and you have a state that has such restrictive laws, would you want to move there and go work there in terms of your workforce? How are you going to attract the best and the brightest if those are the policies that are in that state? And so I think it will impact. Um, companies' ability to attract people, but it'll also impact companies' willingness to go there for conferences or um, or host events, uh, and that has a longer-term downstream problem. Um, we, you know, some there's some folks who said they won't travel on business to certain areas now because of the the laws that have just passed. So these have a very big impact, and clearly had a big impact um, in North Carolina. Uh, Congressman, thank you so much for making time today. I want to make sure we, we leave some time to give uh, to talk a little bit about the things that uh, people on this call can do. Uh, so first of all, um, if you visit businessfwd.org, we have an issue brief that we produced last week which talks about the economic impact of, of these policies and the enormous potential to grow our economy by helping women in the workplace. Uh, uh, and uh, what, what it can mean for, for them, their families, and our economy. Um, uh, we've also distributed a uh, statement uh, document that allows you to provide your own individual statements um, uh, that we can uh, help um, share with uh, your representatives in Congress. Um, and uh, if you've got any specific questions about facts in your state, please email them to us at info at businessfwd.org, uh, and we will um, uh, try to do our best to, to either answer your question or put you in touch with people. But probably one of the best things you can do right now is there's a, there's a petition that's being circulated by dozens of organizations around the country, including Planned Parenthood and NARAL. Um, and what we're going to do in the email, uh, we're going to send an email to everyone on this call uh, where, where you can click on and join and sign that petition. It is the biggest thing that's going on in this space today. Uh, there's a day of action going on. Uh, so if, if you're looking for something that's meaningful and easy to do, it's, a, it's, a, it's something uh, really important. We encourage you to do that. And then finally, um, I think uh, uh, we'd love to learn more about the bill that's going to be coming out on Thursday. So Congressman, if you could forward any materials uh, about it, we'll make sure that we share it with the network. Absolutely, and um, I, you know, encourage folks to, when you're talking to your representatives in Congress, um, to encourage them to support the bill. Um, again, it's it'll be called the Women's Health Protection Act, um, and also we have a pro-choice caucus, and um, encourage your members to join the pro-choice caucus. We had our a meeting last week; it was the biggest one we've ever had. So, um, folks are taking the issue seriously, and we need to continue to remind people that um, this will be a, needs to be a sustained effort. Congressman, thank you very much for making your time. And for those of you on the call, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, just let us know. Again, info at businessfwd.org. Um, have a great day. Have a great day.